Welcome to the Grant Writing Simplified Podcast. This is the place to learn how to make a big impact in your community through grant writing and nonprofit consulting. The world needs you to step forward as a grant writer and use your skills to lead with confidence. I'm Teresa Huff, former special ed teacher turned grant writer and nonprofit strategist. In my 20 years of freelancing, I've helped nonprofits triple their funding and exponentially increase their reach. Now I'm stepping up to mentor freelancers and nonprofit leaders like you who are ready to take your skills to the next level. It's time to get intentional about your vision so you can create lasting change in your community. Learn the skills and strategies you need to become the grant writer the world needs. Let's do this. Before we get started with today's strategy call, I'd like to share a tool with you that I found really useful. Nonprofits and grant writers often ask me where to find grants and how to keep up with all the different deadlines, especially when you're juggling a lot of projects and even if you're working for multiple clients. Recently, I discovered Instrumental and it's made my grant searching and tracking go so much more smoothly. They have so many cool search features and lots of funder data right there in the system. That would take me hours to dig up on my own. Instrumental really does bring all your grant prospecting, tracking, and the ongoing management all under one roof. I like it so much that I partnered with Instrumental to give you a free two-week trial and $50 off your first month. It's spelled instrument with an L. So go to teresahuff.com slash instrumental and use the code GWSPOD. Give it a try and then let me know how you like it. Hey friends, welcome back. I am excited to share a grant writer strategy call with you today. It's been a few weeks since we've had one, and these are some of the most popular episodes. I know you guys listen in and really like hearing the things we talk about and how we can work through some of these things, especially when you're a new grant writer and you just don't know how to move forward on some of the things. It can be a little bit overwhelming when there are so many things you could do, but we can't do everything at once. So we really have to prioritize. And that's what I'm talking with Diego about today. I'm working with Diego Reeb, and he is actually an alumni of the Fast Track to Grant Writer VIP program. You've heard me mention that before. He went through that at the beginning of 2021. When we mentioned the course or the program in this strategy call, then that's what we're referring to is the Fast Track to Grant Writer. Diego is working part-time with a nonprofit, and he's also finishing his master's degree. So he doesn't want to take on too much right now until his coursework is done. But his goal is to build up some part-time work now so that by the time he graduates, he will be ready to transition into full-time work. If you've listened to some of the back episodes, you might remember back in episode 30, Diego and I had done an interview early on when he was just finishing up the program. And at that point, he was still just kind of trying to figure out his way with the grant writing itself and building his confidence there. Now he's had some experience with grants in the meantime, and he's looking towards, like I said, building this consulting part of his career. And I'm also excited to share with you that we recorded this strategy call a few weeks ago, and now this is airing. And in the meantime, 
Diego also found a client to work with. It was one that I had actually seen a posting in one of the online groups that I'm in, and I thought, that sounds perfect for Diego. So I reached out to the person that posted it, did an introduction between the two of them, and let them take it from there, and they hit it off, and it's working great. (laughs) So that was a lot of fun to be a part of that and helping him make that connection to meet his goals, and it turned out to be ideal for the time that he has to work right now, but then being able to possibly build up after he graduates with his degree. Yeah, just happened to be one of the benefits of a word-of-mouth referral, which is one big topic that we talk about today. I also wanted to point out some other resources connected to today's topics that will also be really helpful for you. Besides episode 30, In episode 40, I share some questions that you can consider before becoming a grant writing consultant. Just some things you might want to think about before you dive in. And if you're kind of on the fence, like, is that the way I want to go? Then go back and listen to that in episode 40. Also, I know that jumping into consulting, if you've never done it before, can be a big leap. So in episode 53, Danielle Liss is an attorney. She gives us some great tips for putting together a grant writer consulting contract of things to look for, things to include, and just some really good advice around that in episode 53. And then also Diego and I today talk about LinkedIn and how to use that as a tool, especially if you don't have a website yet. In episode 54, I share some more specific tips and we go in depth about LinkedIn and how you can build your profile and some tips on that. So I will link to everything in the show notes, but reach out if you have questions about the Fast Track to Grant Writer program or just in general about how to get started with your consulting business. I have a feeling that several of you are going to be able to relate to today's conversation, and so hopefully you will find some good tips that will help you in your grant writing business as well. All right, here we go. So are you just figuring out, okay, what would be the next moves for you Yeah, and where you want to go from here to build up consulting? That's right. Yeah. Because I mean, we, we had a really good conversation with the VIP group. And so, you know, my general plan is not very strong because it just doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. It's basically, I think I'm trying to communicate to others from a kind of a point of like, like a scarcity sort of like, oh, I only have room for a couple clients. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to fill those spots. And I think that's kind of my general approach is, hey, I've got this other stuff going on. I've got this, I've got that, um, you know, that I'm working on that's grant related. And I've just got a couple more spots that I'm looking to fill. Mm -hmm. So that's my general strategy is trying to create a sense of like, okay, he's in this game, you know, he's not totally built up in the industry, but he's got stuff going on and maybe I like to work with him. That's, that's how I'm seeing it because that's really the capacity that I can handle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, it's like, I don't need huge clients right now. That would be totally unproductive and it would burn me out. I have cool stuff happening already that I'm working on and working towards, but it would be really cool. And I think long-term it would be smart for me to just start dipping into some client work and just building those relationships because come next year, that capacity is going to increase a lot. Right. And then at that point, you can decide, okay, do I want to go full force with the consulting or is there another opportunity that's too good to pass up in another direction? But at least you're keeping your options open and you're building that experience in that way. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just looking to build experience 
bring in some money that's nice too of course <laughs> but you know this is really all about building relationships building experience trying to build a solid foundation for myself especially leaving graduate school uh, i really want to have cool opportunities so it's kind of the general approach well a couple things about what you said i think you're definitely on the right track and you're thinking smart to take into account you don't want to overload yourself mm-hmm. because the goals you already have in front of you those are big goals that you know will pay off in the long run and it takes time and concentration to invest in those so you don't want to take on so much that you can't do those well yes so i think you're definitely weighing that out and going in a good direction with that. And then also thinking long-term on the other side of if you do want to be a consultant when some of these other goals are achieved, then that's really hard to just start overnight. That's right. So by doing this, you're getting experience with even just invoicing, how to talk to a new client, how to decide on the terms, how to think some of that through That's right. with freelancing. Absolutely. So it's giving you good practice on that side of things. And that way, when you do graduate and you want to take on more, you're not starting from scratch of, well, I've never even done a contract or I don't know how to invoice. What do you do? You can get your systems in place in the background. I think that's good. That's all spot on. On the lines of what you were saying about scarcity and you only have a couple spots, I think that's a fantastic way to position your services. I would also say along with that, don't sell yourself short because of the other things you have going on. You don't want it to sound like, well, I'm too busy with other unrelated things. I can only take on a couple because I'm new at this. Just knowing your background and experience, you're not new at this. The things you're doing are only making you better and better as a grant writer. So that's all a part of it. And that's all a part of making you stand out as a professional. When you frame that, Yes, definitely use that scarcity. That's a really good point. But frame it as, because I'm doing so many of these cool, relevant things that make me better in the field, as opposed to, yeah, I'm just a college kid wanting to learn and take on this. You don't want to undersell yourself because I know your skill and I know how effective you are when you sit down to work on something. You can crank it out and it's good work. So make sure you take that into account and don't make it sound like, well, he's just looking for a side gig. He's not serious about this. Yes. hundred percent. There's going to be a balance I'll have to strike between not coming across as a starry-eyed undergraduate looking for work, but right. But at the same time, appreciating that there's limited capacity, but all of that capacity that I do have is completely relevant to the work that I'd be doing with the client. Like there's experience there and there's a background there that I would bring to the client work. That's a really good point. And it's just building more and more as you work with the client. You're also doing this parallel stuff that's helping you grow as a professional. Yeah, exactly. I see this as a, just a great learning. I mean, everything's a learning experience, but in particular, this period of what you were talking about, building that experience with client contracts and how do you invoice and what's what's my process along that that helps automate things so that I don't go crazy trying to <laughs> do all this logistical stuff while I'm trying to help the clients out. So that's that's super important for me to learn at this moment so that, yeah, I can graduate and whether I pursue employed work or whether I pursue, you know, maybe more of like a contracting role, or maybe I do build up my own client base, 
like I'm ready for the Exactly. And you have your systems in place so that sometimes a client will be referred to you or approach you out of the blue and you don't want to be trying to scramble and figure out all these details all at once. Like, uh, well, okay. Uh, you can have it in place. You can have your systems in the background and be ready to go. So then when that does come up unexpectedly, you can be the professional already. Sure. Here's how I handle this. You can just move right into that gracefully and naturally because it's already in place. You've done the work, even just for one or two clients. Yeah. You've been through it, worked out some of those bugs. Yeah. This is all. Yeah. You're thinking a lot about things that have been thinking in my head. <laughs> good. So, this is good. This is really helpful. You're on the right track. Yeah. Good. So then some of those things, I know you're naturally good at systems. So some of that will come as you work with clients, you'll work out the bugs. Each client, you'll tweak and refine a little bit more just because that's very natural to you. So what are the pieces that you feel like you could use some extra help with that you're feeling like, if somebody came to me today, I don't know what I would do about this? It's more of an identity thing. I find myself selling myself short. If you said, hey, Diego, I really would uh, love to hire you. Uh, let's talk. I tend to then go and sell myself short of what value I could bring. And I think I have all that it takes to do whatever you ask me to do, but it's having that confidence, I think. And I know that comes from just doing it, but like even you saying it right now, it's, it gives me anxiety just thinking about like, oh yeah, I, I don't know what to say, but I want, I want to be true to myself, but also realistic. So yeah, just a lot of anxiety, I guess you could say around that space that I think I need some improvement on because I, like you were talking about, I have that experience. I can do the work, but it's how do I present myself in a genuine way to the client that's realistic, but also doesn't just sell myself completely short. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I'll tell you, even for those of us who have done this for 15 or 20 years, we still tend to do that sometimes. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody, but I know I have, and I still, you know, I think that's part of it. And part of it comes because we strive for excellence. We want to do well, we want to deliver. And so we battle that internally of, okay, this is a big commitment. Can I really follow through? So part of it's just kind of that mental shift of, okay, I'm a professional. These are my skills. I can handle this. Sometimes it's helpful to talk to people who have worked with you to see, okay, what did you notice about me that's different from other people you've worked with? Mm -hmm. Or is there anything that stands out to you about working with me? And you can ask for honest feedback and they may say, you know, you're not very good at this piece. <laughs> like be ready for that. And I think you would, but also be ready for hearing other things. Like I've noticed with you, when you commit to a task or to say, even just your homework in the VIP program, you did it and you did it deeply and thoroughly. And you truly gave it some thought. You challenged yourself. You didn't do the minimum. You really just took it on. You were all in for the program and you got a lot out of it because of that. So you're that kind of person. You go the full amount, you push yourself. You're not just one to get by. Some people are just kind of like, yeah, I'll test it out. But you've thought it through 
and you know that, yes, this is the right choice for me. Like you may take time to think about it. That's not a bad thing. But then once you have, and once you've decided this is the right thing, you have good reasonings for it. And you know that about yourself. So you can just go in confidence with that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if that's something you've ever noticed about yourself or not. Uh, Not really. (laughs) That's good feedback though. And that's, you're saying like weaving that into the conversation with the client is something beneficial? It could be. It also just starts with knowing that about yourself to build up that confidence in yourself of, okay, I know that I've thought this through. I've decided this is the right client for this season. So I'm going to go forward with confidence with this client. You don't have to be like unsure of yourself, unsure of your decision. Like even if things don't go perfectly, even if you just decide after a couple of projects, okay, this isn't a great fit. That's fine. But you can go into that relationship and that decision knowing that I'm all in for this period of time. I'm going to be confident in this decision. I'm going to work and do 100% for this client and give it all I've got. And then if we decide to part ways down the road, it's fine. I know I gave it everything I had during that time. Gotcha. So I don't think you're going to take on a client lightly. And when you do, you're going to know it's a good fit for that time frame, And you're going to give it your best shot of working with them so that by the time you finish the project or you move on to something else, you know that you have done everything you possibly could to help that client as much as you can. Yeah, actually, that does resonate because I think one of the aspects of doing something like taking on a couple extra clients that excites me is it resonates with how I view this experience in that I want to go deeply with people and and having two clients feels like a natural fit with how I would want to do the work, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I, I see the possibility of having two clients as a possibility of going deeply with them and not having 10 clients or 10 other things going on, but just those two clients, it, it really allows me to give them my full attention when I have that time and not be completely scattered. So what you're saying resonates a lot. Good. Even if you did say down the road, take on a job, you could probably still handle one or two clients on the side that have been long-term. You've already done the background research. You've collected all the information. So then when you're writing grants for them, you're not starting from scratch every time like you would with a brand new client. You've got that established bank of resources and content to pull from. Even if it's new grant opportunities, you already have that. So it's less time commitment trying to get up to speed each time because you already have those. So it might be more manageable to keep those one or two on the side that you really love working with. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Building up that client base, regardless of whether, you know, when I finish my graduate program, I pursue employed work or Mm -hmm. I decide to really focus on building more clients. And it's easier to find work, whether it's a job or more clients, when you already have work and you already have clients, because you have that confidence to start from, you have those systems in place, and you have those stories and situations that you can reference. Like maybe they ask you, a potential new client says, well, we are struggling with this. Could you help? You could say, yes, I've helped my other client with that. A few months ago, we had this issue. 
Here's what we did. Here's how I helped them through that. You have that to pull from when you're trying to find new clients and build those relationships. Yeah, I had an interview with a potential client not too long ago, and it was super helpful just having the interview because I, in the interview, got to speak about my experience and what I've done. And that did help build a bit of confidence because then I heard the affirmation of, oh, so you've already done this. Okay, I see you bring this and that. So even just having interviews is helpful. (laughs) It is. You're learning the process. You're practicing it. You're getting used to it to where it's more you're practicing. So it's less and less anxiety each time. Like, okay, this is just a conversation with another person. We're just talking about the work I've done. And it becomes less of a thing and just more of a, okay, no big deal. Just having a conversation. Yeah. yeah. So it helps you get used to that. Yeah, definitely. The other thing that comes to mind is I know some consultants only sign on clients for longer term, like six months or a year. They require a minimum contract. And based on your personality, I think you could frame that. Because you prefer to go deep with a smaller number of clients, you only have capacity to take on one or two, and you prefer to work long-term because that's when you see the most success with clients is when you can really dig into their organization, their goals, and make sure you find the best fits for them and work together over that time frame. So then number one, that guarantees you some consistent income over a set amount of time, but two, that allows you to go deeper and more thoroughly with those one or two clients that kind of fits your personality too, as opposed to just bouncing around, trying to get up to speed on every single client. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I I would prefer a more long-term contract. You could say for the one client I do have right now, this is what we've developed is more of a long-term relationship. And I think it's benefited the both of us really well. So I would absolutely want to recreate that experience. I would not want to bounce around. You're right. That would not be in alignment. That sort of frenetic energy is not <laughs> yeah. resonate. It can be done. And I've done it on some projects like for a specific federal grant where someone needed help with that project. But for me, when I sign on a client, we end up working together for several years and We just, we build that relationship. We kind of get systems. We just get in this really good rhythm. We know who takes care of what. When I need information, they quickly get it back to me. They know what I'm looking for each time. It's just a really good relationship that we've built up over time. And it also builds up really good referrals and testimonials by doing that because then you have that longer track record and people that you're building loyalty mutual loyalty really between each other. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? (laughs) I'm I'm just curious. So you were initially in grant writing, working under somebody for a couple of years, right? And then you sort of transitioned into working on your own. Is that correct? Okay. So what was your strategy as you were making that transition Were you similarly looking for just a couple of clients to go really deep on or were you more like, oh, I have all this capacity. I'm just going to grab as many clients as possible or something else? Mm, Really over the years, my best source of clients has been word of mouth referrals. So at first, when I started on my own, I think the first word of mouth referral was 
a one-time federal grant project. It was just a one-time thing for a school district. They needed help with this large project. So I wrote that for them. But then in the process, I also got to be friends with someone who was a paralegal at a law office, and they often had nonprofits coming in needing help with paperwork. She was also well-connected on several nonprofit boards in the community. So she was just one of those natural connector people that we talked about in the program that she loved introducing people, loved making connections of people who could use resources. So she was a great source of referrals for nonprofit clients. So then at that point, a couple of those turned out to be long-term clients because of they were well-established nonprofits, but they were growing, but kind of to that cusp where they couldn't get to that next level by trying to write grants on their own, but yet they weren't large enough to hire a full-time grant writer either. So the director just kind of needed some of that external support with the grant writing and program development. So that turned into some long-term clients that way, where we could go deeper and build that relationship over time. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it was kind of some of both to answer your question, just by nature of the opportunities at hand. Yeah. Yeah. And the word of mouth piece too is so important. That's something we've talked a lot about, you know, in the grant writing course, but also, you know, in the alumni uh, meetings, just how valuable that is too. And I think that's something I need to leverage a little bit more that I need to tap into my network. This goes back, I think, to the, to the confidence aspect where you're just like, oh, I don't know about talking to this person. <laughs> but there's so many people who through word of mouth could really benefit my circumstance, but I don't leverage that. But I mean, that's it sounds like that was a really big catalyst for you in developing your client base was, was that word of mouth aspect. It really was because the people referring me knew my work ethic. They knew the quality of my work. They knew that even though maybe I didn't have tons of grant writing experience, that I was more of a specialist than they were, (laughs) that I was somebody that was learning quickly and doing the grant writing. Even though I hadn't been to school for that specifically, I still was learning it and getting better and better all the time. And so I was definitely better than what they had already. (laughs) So they just needed some help in that regard. Yeah, that was that was the best source for a while because she knew that I was worth referring and that she could feel good about referring me to someone to write grants for them. And so it just it worked out really well. They take it a little more seriously when it comes from an introduction like that as opposed to just a cold call out of the blue. Yeah. And do you still find that word of mouth is your biggest ally or or is it morphed into something a little bit different? Some of both now. The podcast has brought in people to my programs and things now. Word of mouth is still very beneficial for like someone asked me to speak at a conference coming up because of what they knew. And we have been in some of the same local groups. And so they we also have some mutual friends and connections to where that was definitely beneficial. And so things like that, new opportunities, definitely word of mouth has been helpful. Cool. If I were to go back and do anything differently, I would have gotten more clear up front about who I did want to work with and who I didn't want to work with, just so that the people referring me knew more specifically and could kind of help filter that out in the beginning. Because I didn't know any different 
I didn't know those things up front (laughs) as far as like, okay, I don't want to write grants for businesses because there really aren't that many business grants out there. I want to focus on nonprofits or I don't want to write grants for brand new nonprofits because they need some time to build up their track record. So in the very beginning, I wish I had known those things and been a little more specific about what I was looking for. Like in your case, where we've talked about, you might want to work with a specific type of organization that serves certain communities or causes. So you could even get more specific when you're talking to your network about, hey, I'm looking to work with a nonprofit that's this size, that serves this kind of community if you know of anyone looking for a grant writer. Because then, as opposed to just saying, hey, do you know of any nonprofits looking for a grant writer? Uh, I'm either going to say, no, I can't think of any, or I'm going to say, oh yeah, I know some, and I'm going to send a whole bunch of your way that aren't going to be a good fit. You're going to have to weed through. It's going to be awkward saying, no, you're not my ideal client. (laughs) Yeah. But if you say, I'm looking for this type of nonprofit that serves this kind of community, I can say, oh, yeah, I heard of one just the other day. Let me introduce you to the director. And immediately that comes to mind because you've triggered that specific detail of, do I know a nonprofit that does this? Oh, yes, I do. Hang on. And then you can ask for a specific, like an email introduction. Like, would you mind introducing me by email? As opposed to just, oh, could I get their information? Yeah, this is a another dilemma I've had in my head because this is probably not unique to me and general to most people starting out, but you don't want to put yourself in a box because you want to get clients, mm-hmm. right? It's, you want to be yes. accessible to a wide audience so that because you just don't have the client base and you want the client base. Mm-hmm. It's counterintuitive. Yeah, but at the same time, being uniquely identifiable might actually attract more clients in a way, but more importantly, you'll get clients that you actually will have a good fit with. And that's the important part is that unique fit. And I know in my situation, I would love to sort of reverse engineer the success that I've had at my current organization, which shout out to Community Access Naperville in (laughs) downtown Naperville. They brought me on as a part-time grant writer and just built from the ground up a grant writing process. And it just has worked out so well that I would love to keep doing that again and again. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the same demographic, same sort of environment. But, I, but that would be compromised if I then had the strategy of, well, I'm just kind of going to work with whoever comes my way. That wouldn't be exactly. a best fit. Now, I've done other work outside of that that has been grant writing related that has been outside of that demographic, but I feel that in terms of being identifiable, that's where my kind of skills have been honed and that's where I've found success. And I would love to do that for other people in a similar situation. So it's, it's fighting an inner battle between, Oh, I just want a large client base, not a large client base. I just want a client base. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm starting out. So let me go here and there and whatever sounds interesting versus, nope, I'm going to put my stake in the ground. This is kind of the demographic or the community. These these are the kinds of organizations I want to work with. Let's see who matches that. That has been a dilemma I've faced. So that dilemma and then the sort of 
confidence, identity, dilemma has been the two that I think have been roadblocks in really getting me going with finding the the couple clients that I've been looking for. And those are both manageable and you can overcome both of those. So like on the reverse engineering, I love that idea. And I wonder what if you just sat down and really thought through what you've done for community access Mm -hmm. and what you've done with them, just kind of outline it high level, high points. Here's where they were. Here's where we are now and define those steps that you took them through in between and those key points. And then you take that and you use that as a case study, either on your LinkedIn profile, if you have a website sometime, which we talked about, maybe you do an article on LinkedIn about it. You somehow highlight so that people can actually see in their minds and get a clear picture of, oh, this is where they started and this is where they are now. He took them there. We're in that same place. Maybe he can do that for us too paint that picture for them. You're a good writer. And because you're such a good, deep philosophical writer, you're also a very good everyday language kind of writer. So take that deep philosophical thinking about what you've done and put it in everyday language, tell the story in a way that people totally get it. And then you can start either posting on LinkedIn, which I know you're not a huge poster or social media person, or start sharing it and telling people in your network, like, hey, this is the success that I've helped my nonprofit see. I'm looking for one or two clients that have this, this, and this. They are at this point in their growth. They serve this kind of target population, and they are looking for this. Like, very specifically define what you're looking for. I know that's counterintuitive and I know it's scary to let go of the, I'll take on a new client (laughs) mindset, but you don't need 20 clients. And you said yourself, you don't even want 10 clients. Mm -hmm. You just need one or two right clients. Mm -hmm. That's all. And out of the whole US of all the nonprofits out there, I'm sure there's one or two (laughs) (laughs) that you could find. (laughs) So by specifically defining who you want to work with, you're actually helping those one or two better identify with you and say, oh yeah, that's me. They can raise their hand more quickly as opposed to just, hey, I'm, I want to work with a nonprofit that needs a grant writer. You know of anybody. You're going to have tons raise their hand that are not ones you want to work with. But if you specifically define, I'm looking for this, I'm not looking for nonprofits that are in this situation. I'm looking for ones that want to build up a grant writing department. You're at this stage of growth. You're ready to go to the next level, but you need a grant writer to guide you through the process. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think what came to mind is a word you say a lot, which I'm looking at more as transformation, because I think that's the piece. It's not even this. It has been successful, but what has been more appealing has been the transformation that's occurred at the organization. That's what draws me to doing that for other people. I want to do that again, because I think the transformation aspect of, you know, we were here and now we're here. That transformation is what's really cool and really special about what we've done at Community Access Naperville. So yeah, I really like that. What you're describing is kind of a 
a short-term game plan for really getting to that place of securing one or two clients that makes sense and using some of my skills. And definitely writing is a big skill that I've developed alongside, not just alongside grant writing, but, you know, in school and things like that, that I would love to utilize more. So yeah, I really like, I like the idea of, of creating some sort of article or, or a series of articles. Maybe it could be like a transformation series where we talk about this is phase one, this was phase two, this is phase three. Yes. I love that. And then you can include kind of that call to action or that invitation of if this is resonating with you, if you are this and this, reach out to me, send me a message or email me at whatever, and let's chat about whether this is a good fit for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's important to take into account your personality, also your life situation, what kind of time, what kind of circumstances do you have to work with right now? What other responsibilities do you have on your plate? So you're thinking through all of that, which is important. Mm -hmm. And then you can formulate your next steps based on all those things, not just making money, but on what do I want to do for clients? What kind of stuff can I take on right now in this season of life? And so then you can design. I know this gives you a lot to think about. (laughs) What are your next action steps going to be? Yeah, actually, I don't know if it's too overwhelming as, as you're describing it. These things all make sense to me. Definitely the next step would be to create this LinkedIn article. I think it puts together a lot of the things that I enjoy doing. And I want to tell that story. It's a story I've almost kept hidden or you know, just not shared, but I think it's a really cool story. So I think that would be the next step is creating those LinkedIn articles. And I definitely like the idea of the kind of a transformation series, like cataloging the development of the department. That's some good homework there. And then adjacent to that, being more comfortable reaching out to people in my network. So doing some basic LinkedIn messaging or connecting with people with coffee, that makes me more uncomfortable. But I know that (laughs) that's the next step that I need to take that I don't think I have taken. So I think those two things right away come to mind is creating these blog posts on LinkedIn and then just connecting a little bit more with my network. You've also mentioned people at school, like colleagues that are maybe connected in the nonprofit world as well that you can reach out to. Even look at the board members on your current nonprofit. Sometimes board members are on multiple boards or connected to other nonprofits in some way. Absolutely. And they've seen your work. Yeah. Maybe a more general point could be just leveraging my existing Mm -hmm. network, not just on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. but beyond Exactly. And even in the VIP course, I think there's probably work I've already done that I don't need to do again because we did it already. I think I remember there was a section on networking and and connectors and things like that. There's people I've already identified. So you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from the work you've already done. That's right. That will be foundational to your next step. That's right. Reconnecting with, with the homework there would be good. That gives me a good starting point for right now. I don't know. Do you, do you have any further suggestions based on our conversation of some like next steps that I, that I didn't touch upon? I think somewhere between those two also get really clear for your own sake, as well as being able to communicate to others what you want to do and who you want to do it for. Sit down and really get that hammered out. And with that said, you know, be open to other opportunities. Like I've shared with you guys in the course, When a senior center called me, I wasn't looking to work with 
senior centers. I mainly worked with kids and families and that type of nonprofit. But I thought, well, it's something local. It's still kind of related to making life better for families. I'll give it a shot. You know, after going there, talking with the board president, a tour, they were very well established. They've been around for 30 years. It's like, well, I think I could still help them. And I love working with them. We've worked together for four or five years now. They have so much energy. It's made such a transformation. Even just small grants, they're so appreciative. It makes a difference in their programs. I feel like I'm making an impact there, even though it's not going to turn into a big full-time client. And that's not what I'm looking for right now, but it's something where I can make a difference for them. Sometimes just being open to the unexpected types of things, but I would still say get clear right up front for yourself so that you know what you're looking for and have an idea of that. But then when an opportunity comes along, you can match it up to that and consider like, okay, this matches four of my five wish list things. Is it worth it to adjust and still take on that client? Like it may not be exactly perfect, but it might be a really good opportunity. Yeah, that's good. Sort of a filtration system. (laughs) Exactly. And then you can use that as a measurement and decide how much do you want to deviate And then how much is it like, "Mm, no, that's getting a little far off where I want to go. Yeah. So it helps you kind of put it into a more objective matrix type of form. Absolutely. What you're saying is helpful because you want to get that out of your head and onto a system that you trust. And that helps take fear out of the equation. Yeah. So then you don't have to make a fear-based decision and take a client on just because you're afraid you won't find another or afraid this won't work out. So you say no even though maybe it is a little different and unexpected, but it could be a good thing. So it just kind of helps you bring that down and think about it more logically. And in the end though, still go with your gut, listen to your gut on things. Yeah, that's helpful. So that gives you some concrete things to work on, which I think will resonate with you to feel like, okay, now I can make progress and know the next step instead of just, yeah, a year from now, I want to be here, but how do I get there? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I starting out this call, I had a basic plan, which is better than no plan. Of, sure. Like in six months, I want to be here. In a year, I want to be here. But I don't have any sort of actionable steps because I, I don't know. There's a there's so much you can do. So this is really helpful in getting concrete and actually being able to work towards those particular goals. Good, because it's good to have those goals, but then sometimes. It's overwhelming because everything seems important correct? and everything seems like it could be done and needs to be done right now. So that's where it's important to just step back. And, okay. What's the next thing I need to do to work towards that based on where you are now? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited about these steps to see where you go with these. Me too. Me too. It does take a little bit of the, not a little bit, it has taken a lot of the uncertainty out of it Good. because you're right. Everything seems important. It's there's no like filtration system for (laughs) (laughs) what's the next step that's most reasonable, which then leads to procrastination and now I'll get to it. And I got stuff Mm -hmm. here and there, but. uh... Yeah, I know what you mean. Cause in your college courses, you're given the assignments step-by-step the deadline, but with this, it's very ambiguous. So sometimes just naming it and defining it then helps make the next thing more clear. And, you know, you only need one or two clients. So you just need to define it and make sure you're clear on, hey, I have openings for one or two clients like this. If you know of someone, could you introduce me? And then 
you just go from there. Nice. Once you get these articles written, even if you do get your one or two clients, the articles will be there and they're still going to be working on your behalf. They're going to be available for people to read. So then you're working with these clients and getting your systems, but the articles are still there and you can still share them with people. Or if someone you're having a conversation, they want to know more about you. You've got a place to send them to learn about how you help your clients. Yeah, that's true. And that's something I can build on in the future too. This gives you a place to start putting it out there and getting used to your process again. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's just a lot of really good stuff that can come out of this. And I think this is a lot of stuff that we had talked about in our initial course, but it's just a different season of life. Whereas now things are coming to life a little bit more. So yeah, this is really, really cool. And the first time around, you were just hearing it and learning it. It was kind of new. Now it's like, okay, it's time to really absorb and synthesize some of those things. Because the first time when you went through the program, you were learning all those pieces, but you weren't ready in your career for all the pieces. So now you can go back and pull out the ones that you're ready for to really start absorbing and using at this point. Definitely. Awesome. Well, sounds good. So it sounds like you know what you need to work on and you got some work to do. Yeah, I've got some work to do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, sounds good. Then I look forward to seeing all this and what comes of it. Awesome. All right, friends, could you see yourself in some of Diego's questions in this conversation? I want to know what tips are you going to implement? Are there specific things that you can clearly say, this is what I need to do next? We can't do all the things, even though we might want to, or we might feel this pressure to, but we really need to focus and just figure out, okay, what do I need to do next? So you think about what's next for your situation, and then let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Message me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email. You can do that from my website, but let me know what are your next action steps. Quick shout out again to Instrumental for sponsoring today's show. Check them out at teresahuff.com slash instrumental for all your grant searches and tracking. All right, let me know what are your next steps and how has this challenged you today? Have a great week and go change your world.